0: hello and welcome to enough Wicker, a podcast where we sip very conveniently on whiskey while holding our bible as we discuss the greatest television show of all time the golden girls i'm lauren and i'm sarah and today we're tackling the 133rd episode in the series wham bam thank you mammy (laughs) i got some problems with that
1: (laughs) i know right fascinating fascinating um man i i love where they take this uh writing because as we've discussed the past couple episodes you know big daddy is uh clearly being revealed here to have a lot of more obvious problems other than the more like subtle like buried in the dialogue problems that has always happened but um i guess now that he's dead they're just really you know leaning into him uh (laughs) yeah but it's the you know this is obviously the first time I ever heard the word mammy um and clearly as a child watching this you know that it's supposed to be very specific to a black person right like it's like I I think that's just like that's just part of it you have to understand because this is the only time it's like talked about and obviously there's the joke about Mamie Eisenhower which we'll go into (laughs) but like there you know there's It's so good. It's so good. And I love a callback and I love that it comes in the middle of this really, really intense moment. Oh, Anyway. um, But so like the word mammy is like very specifically only in like the U.S. Southern United States. You know, I'd say antebellum as well as obviously after it's like it's a black nanny employed to look after white children. So because the word nanny... Is like what we use for it, but like, mammy is like this infantilization, like, sort of childish. It's sort of a derivation on mama, a little bit, like, mama and nanny sort of combined together, but it just, it's just really gross because it's like only specifically for this very specific situation. And it's obviously like a caricature of African American women who like were like constantly. Like it, it's just it's 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 sort of like you know like a like Sambo as like this other racial mm. stereotype or even like Uncle Tom in a ways but like uh you know uh, Ferris State University actually has a really interesting article on. Like the word mammy and like the representation of it. And it's basically, I just, this line is so powerful like from slavery through the Jim Crow era, the mammy image served the political, social, and economic interests of mainstream white America, right? I mean, it's like, oh my God, it's like the classic, like she was so happy to serve her family, you know, like she, the, this role, like that's all she wants to do. And like this episode sort of like leaning into this in a really interesting way because. Like, it's actually, it's obviously presented, and Ruby D presents, you know, Mammy Watkins, Viola Watkins, as, like, a really, like, I decide my own fate, and I make my own choices, and I stand by them, and no one else is, like, controlling me or putting me in a situation. And I really appreciate that they wrote her that way, as a woman of her own volition, because when you use the word Mammy, it just brings up all of these horrible, like, ways that basically white people spun a caricature of a woman basically like working for a white family without a lot of power on her own and like being content to be in this sort of like somewhat subservient like position right like it's not and that not this is not like specifically about nannies or anything like that attached to families because they're you know that still exists and that's like a working relationship as well as a personal relationship but i think there's so many lines blurred and it just all comes up from this specific word about a black woman watching white children Anyway, right. so much scholarship yeah. to go into. I mean, it's like it's kind of fascinating. Like I just I I actually went into Jim Colucci's book to see if they talked anything about it and they didn't. Um but anyway, fascinating.
0: Yeah, really really interesting. And I think um I I think it's in it's interesting and and it's poignant to bring up like nannies because that's it is different and the power dynamic that was at play with Big Daddy and Big Mommy in Hollingsworth Manor Big and, like, mommy. them employing... <laughs> <laughs> just, now you know her name. Um, You know, them employing Viola Watkins in this way and they're also being, like, as we'll find out, like, this affair that went on for yeah. 50 years. Like, mm-hmm. it's different than... Or it's more nuanced than just, like... um. You know like a nanny and I, I think it's important that we address that um yeah i mean there's, there's one like- thing to
1: have the father the married father in a committed relationship uh stooping the nanny right like fucking gavin rossdale mm-hmm. or whatever dude law
0: yeah <laughs> wow <quite different laughs> voice, but you're right oh dude <laughs> law too
1: <laughs> yeah. But then there's the racial dynamic, right? And like, he, you know, she even says it. She's like, at that time in the South, like, that was not an option, right? So it's really, but it's interesting, as we know, many things about Curtis, and we'll get into that. (laughs) But to your point, we have to, you have to bring up the fact that it's a different situation than if it was a white nanny in this Southern atmosphere with Grand Dragon. I mean, Big Daddy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> he home. was a republican oh man that I mean, joke really laps and it holds up it's so good <laughs> uh, yeah i'll be like that joke um, it holds up um yeah so should we talk i guess maybe we should start with the fact that it's so it's ruby d um yes. which is such a huge get for them and i obviously this is the first time that i saw her and so i was like oh yeah that's Mamie Watkins, when I saw Do the Right Thing, I feel like, but like, what a, like, really just an incredible career. Um, she originated the, the role of Ruth, um, in Raised in the Sun. She was in the Jackie Robinson story. She was obviously in Do the Right Thing. Like she's just got a really, really like her IMDB is just so impressive And a lot of these sort of, um, really historically significant roles. Um, and so it's just another like example of me seeing this episode when I was I don't know you know seven or eight and being like oh yeah that's (laughs) Mimi Watkins and it's this like incredibly significant actress
1: (laughs) absolutely and I mean and as to be pointed out as we all know that Betty White was the oldest of the golden girls Ruby D is younger than Betty White born the same year yeah it's wild but she's still 10 10 months younger you know like it's it's pretty wild right so like she had to wear um a wig you know like gray wig and like all this other kind of stuff and kind of play an older than she was person she's a contemporary of the other girls is what I'm saying so it's really interesting totally but um but yeah so anyway she she is what's interesting is in the in the Jim Colucci book they actually talk about so Jamie Wooten helped write this article uh, article episode <laughs> and uh they really wanted Esther roll to play the mm. role because they wanted, you know, she was, she was the, uh, the foil for Maud, and then she, you know, she played Florida Evans, uh, and then spun off into good times. Right. So they were like, oh my God, it will be so great to get B and Esther back together again. Right. Like, so that would actually be, again, not directly because it was a Rue McClanahan, uh, story, but, um, still like having her there but apparently she she was in like a really intense car crash like kind of right before this episode she she couldn't do it and then they did that's why they got ruby d um which to your point was a good get but um jamie wooten actually said he was kind of like a little bummed with ruby d's delivery because he thought it was like slower than he wanted her to deliver the lines um and, but he said, basically, it might be because I was just disappointed it wasn't Esther. But I thought that was an interesting, specific comment, because I, even watching the show when I was younger, thought that she really, like, I couldn't tell if she was just trying now, with hindsight, like, trying to be older than she was by delivering things mm-hmm. slowly. But I always thought her delivery was kind of a little weird.
0: <laughs> it is slow. And it, there's yeah. a lot of weird spacing between words, yeah. I think.
1: Anyway, interesting tidbit that it could have been um, Esther Roll.
0: Yeah. Fun yeah. facts as always from the Bible. I mean, I think that would have been amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the sober will. Um that's also a really so I mean, like, there's a couple things with Big Daddy that run. And this, like, when we saw um a couple episodes back when Charmaine was in town, she's like, no, the sober will. And uh and Mammy, when uh Mammy Watkins funny. is like, no, thanks, I don't drink. Like oh, everybody seems to know that he's got a little bit of an alcohol problem. And oh, yeah. This is also not the same time that we heard about him cheating on Blanche's mom. Like the new Cadillac Eldorado for her birthday, these like totally. earrings, you know, like he is who he is. And I think like we mentioned in um the last episode and the one before that, like the writers are now writing him as who he is. There's no more like you get it, right? It's like, no, this guy was exactly who you think he was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly exactly who you think he was oh my god ridiculous (laughs) um yeah and it's so so it's so fascinating too of like let's talk about the big daddy that we've seen in you know um our earlier seasons right especially the one where he is trying to make it you know singing songs and (laughs) it's like you know wistfully lamenting the death of his wife and like all of this stuff of, like, what he's going to do. And it's, like, her version of, like, their love. And I, I think I just take issue with it because she says 50 years of, like, it, it seemed to be, like, you know, till till his death. But clearly his yeah. wife died far earlier. So I want to know what Big Daddy's thoughts were between the death of his wife and then his death. Like, clearly like he didn't feel the same way otherwise he probably would have gone after her but i think his you know his damn southern pride probably got in the way because he couldn't date a black woman openly so i i'm just i'm so fascinated with that interplay of like you know viola Watkins. i just i can't call her mammy anymore it's like it just just feels really weird um (laughs) it's insulting to the like very like you know full fully formed character that she actually is. But Viola um, clearly has a, a, you know, a POV on their relationship and how she feels and, like, how she wants this music box to remember him by. But, like, there was, like, some chance of communication, I guess, between the two of them after uh, Blanche's mother dies is, is all I'm saying. Yeah, really well, there could have been.
0: Yeah. I mean and clearly whole- she
1: took chances. Like, she took chances because she fucking went to Blanche's wedding and hid in the back. Can you imagine, like, she was like, hiding out from Blanche's mother? Like, that's crazy. That's like, really intense. So she clearly, you know, has some guts, this woman, is what I'm
0: saying. Right. Well, she has to... I mean, it's really interesting because, like, so Blanche's mother finds out about them, and then she has to leave, which is so also, like, Again, just like such a lame the up societal system, yeah. right? That this woman whose entire it's employment only her fault yep. and her home is really wrapped up here. Like, she has to leave. I mean, presumably, she could have had to like leave their part of Atlanta, like you know, with the, the power dynamics that are at play there. And he, like, Big Daddy's just livid, there's no nothing has changed for him. He's going nope. to continue to philander around, um, and like. I I think that's a really interesting part that she she does continue to come back like she comes back to Blanche's wedding I guess she comes back for prom night it is where is she lurking I don't know but she's yeah. seeing her come back in a football jersey like so their relationship is really interesting too because like Blanche I feel has a very pragmatic view of family in general at least like with her own kids and with her siblings it's like it's she struggles with it but I think she I guess she doesn't romanticize the picture of people except for her parents and particularly her father like she kind of doesn't view him as a human almost you know like he's this like figure of like that she holds up and even when she's confronted again and again with his mistakes like and the flaws of his character like she she doesn't totally absorb it into her picture of him yeah um which I think is interesting like I think it's very it's like it feels very much like a little girl like idolizing her father um in a way that like she doesn't let go of right
1: well, yeah. And like you sort of willfully push all the things that don't align with your picture in your head. In fact, that that's probably a lot of the uh, political situation we're in today. Is that People can't totally, admit 100%. when there's evidence right in front of them. So you just sort of like ignore that part and only pay attention to the parts that fulfill you know, the sort of story that you're already telling yourself, right? It's a much easier, more comfortable way to live that way for sure. But that's the problem with fucking humans that we hate to have this like introspection and change our goddamn minds. So, and you know, it's interesting. It's like, it's again, it's like a gray area. And I think this is part of growing up and not being a little girl anymore is like realizing that two things can be true at the same time, right? You can love your father and you can also admit that he's an extremely flawed person, <laughs> Who right. hurt a lot of people, right? Like there's and there's there's you have to grapple with that. Like that's just really a difficult part of of growing up, particularly if your father is a bigot.
0: Right, so, it must be tough. Must be really tough. Um, man, all
1: right. I want I want to go back to you. You're talking about how like the line where she's like, "That's impossible." Big Daddy was a Republican. <laughs> love it (laughs) you're like yes please do so uh you know a a couple months weeks hours ago i don't know what time is anymore but there you know there was a big story of uh a republican representative um, congressperson who went to his um gay son's wedding And, like, was in support and, like, gave a heartfelt speech, whatever, whatever, and then, like, came right back to work and voted against gay marriage. And everyone was like, I don't get it. Oh, my God. It's so hypocritical. And I absolutely was that person once, too. Yeah. (laughs) But if you actually think and like un- try to understand conservatism, right, it's like it's based on a hierarchy, which is based on an us versus them versus based on a like ins and outs and haves and have nots. Right. You have to believe in that. That's like part of the structure. So it makes total fucking sense because he's like, yeah, for me and my family, that's fine, but not for everybody else, because that doesn't make any, you know, that's not for you. And it's the same <laughs> fucking thing where it's like, oh, Big Daddy was a Republican. Yeah, of course, he said outwardly he believed in the sanctity of marriage and whatever and then he was fucking the nanny and then you know uh he also said outwardly and probably was the grand dragon of the kkk was against like black people assimilating or you know whatever uh into white society but yet he was you know supposedly in love with this black woman and that's why i can't i can't square their relationship and this love like i don't doubt that he loved her but what he didn't he didn't love her to what love actually needs in terms of like having a fucking backbone like he was just a coward and like like i was saying before about like all this time between the death of his wife and like that he could have actually sort of rekindled things with her um instead of selling his estate and being a terrible country music player (laughs) (laughs) before settling down with the widow um anyway uh the white widow that is uh so anyway there's just there's just so there's so many like issues here and i like I just I even though you know Viola Watkins is making her own decisions and obviously is like very matter of fact like this is what happened right like I still feel for her because she was she was more deserving of a, a better love I guess than that you know
0: so, Yeah anyway. totally and I think that's a really great point about conservatism um I mean like Clarence Thomas is literally married to a white nazi but he's basically won't say if he's gonna rule in favor of interracial marriage like we don't know how he would um
1: right but but just for him not for anybody right like he'll be
0: fine of course that's the whole thing um yeah it's i mean big daddy's horrible and i think like we can we can appreciate his like little like oh it's funny he drank in church and oh like he picked bdx off his baby gun like (laughs) this you know he's like a we would hate him if we knew him in real life. um. And I just think this example is so like, and and I think to your point about Viola Watkins deserving better is like, I, I can't get behind this narrative that it was like a really beautiful relationship. That was just like a forbidden love because like, I know there is a power dynamic that it makes Correct. it. So it, it can't be both. She's employed by him. She's taking care of his kids. I'm not saying they didn't have a consensual affair, obviously, like, they seem to have carried that on for a number of decades, but it's, you can't remove the power structures that are in place, both in terms of, like, their relationship, like, him as her employer, and also, like, her being a Black woman in the South in a time that's, like, very, you know, like... All of that adds up to basically, I think, an impossibly complicated, but also like it's not they're they're not on equal footing. They they're not, Correct. and so like Correct. I also like it's a bummer for me that Blanche. I I get that Blanche is personally affected by her leaving, but I even at this time, like I want Blanche to have enough. Like, to be educated enough and worldly enough to understand that, like... I know. I know. There's more than just an affair here, right? Like, I, I want her to, to get it, and she she doesn't, which is disappointing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I know. And it's it's such a shame because it's also, like, again, what you were saying before about, like you know oh of course like she has to leave her only means of employment she leaves the fucking state <laughs> like right you know, she's on, she's on the lamb essentially and he gets <laughs> to just like go back to his you know life and you know buy his wife some jewelry or some shit to like smooth it over and that whole you know i'm sure that'll make up for it you know um totally but it's like and it's 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 such a fucking trope right it's like arrested development it's like and this this necklace is for when your pop pop called out melanie (laughs) when we were were having sex you know
0: (laughs) so good oh my
1: god anyway uh (laughs) oh melanie anyway um but i think it's the same situation here where blanche is essentially blaming her for her father's sins now i think what's interesting is like She is the only living person, right? She can't actually talk to Big Daddy about this, like presently. So I understand, like, the gut angry reaction kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. I actually really understand the symbolism of the music box when she says, if I give this to her, I'll literally be tacitly approving of their affair, which I get. I really, and that's really powerful. Like, that, like, objects have that kind of meaning right and I think that I really love that line because I just think that that really shows some like really inner processing (laughs) that Blanche is doing about this but I see your point of like I you wish she was a little further along to kind of see the extra complexity that's layered on top of this whole mess
0: yeah yeah that's and that's exactly what it is and I agree I think the whole like Blanche signing off on it and like it is probably more complicated than the other affairs he had for her because of her attachment to to Viola yeah, and like to exactly. her mammy and like this whole Absolutely. thing. Um, but it's just like it's 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 gross. Like the whole thing is gross. And I, I you know what I also want to say is that Viola Watkins is the only person. Maybe ever on a sitcom, who knows that it's proper to call before just like showing up? Like, David just shows up. People are always just knocking at the door. Like,
1: you're right. You're totally right. Exactly. (laughs) Only one with manners.
0: (laughs) Ah, Of course. Of course. Oh my God.
1: And actually, it's kind of funny that like she's the only one that does that when she actually had a power dynamic relationship with Blanche, you know, like she's sort of in charge. Right, like you could totally see, like an older nanny figure being like, "Well, I'm just going to come. It's like my kid that I used to take care of." Right? It's like sort of a. treating me, just
0: like I was their own kid. Oh my god,
1: such a good. Oh my god. We know Rose. She ate them.
0: (laughs) Excuse me. God, it's so good. It's really.
1: They do such. They do such great work with keeping the Saint Olaf references fresh, because like that one is like it's a subtext of a story and you know that rose always talks about animals and she always like talks about ridiculous there's always a ridiculous twist in something that seems completely endearing and like uh, above board and like they don't even like that was it it's just like there's a punchline and everybody nods like yeah she was talking about a goat like it's really even the audience begins to chuckle when she says kid like some some of them figure it out you know what i mean like it's really oh it's brilliant but it, it it involves having to know the characters and having to know all of the other stories that come before. It kind of builds yeah. on itself, which is really great.
0: yeah, it's great. Um, it's great when she shows up and she's like, "I could use a hug," and then Rose I know. hugs Okey her.
1: <laughs> and then she's like, "This is Rose Mylan." She's like, "We've met."
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy <sighs>
1: shit! Oh my god. Um. All right. Well. Like so. Wrapping up the, you know, <laughs> Mammy Watkins thing, right? So the I, I, I love the idea of, like, I guess a music box is a thing that people gave each other back in the day. I just think it's a really funny, like, gift for, like, an old Southern gentleman, but I guess, I don't know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it feels right. What else are you gonna get it? <laughs> I guess
1: so. I guess so. I guess all the music boxes I knew about are like doubled as jewelry boxes. So yeah, kind of I
0: thought that too. What is the functionality? You know, I hate the useless item, but I guess it's like
1: <laughs> it's not useless. It has a dumb, you know, plays bonanza um, theme from
0: bonanza.
1: Not <laughs> yeah, so the theme from bonanza, and I love that she <laughs> she closes it and points to it. Yeah, like they're both <laughs> investigating, and it's hysterical. So. Oh man, I think what's really interesting is like the way that Ruby D plays that end scene, right where she was like, "We did all this for nothing," and then like that's that's kind of the slower delivery I think that Jamie Wooten's talking about. And then you know, Blanche says like, uh, "I wouldn't say for nothing," and it's funny because Ruby D doesn't soften; like she still has that. (laughs) She still has this like intense look on her face, and she's kind of like, "It's interesting. It's not. It's not that she's not." feeling it, but she doesn't do that automatic, like sitcom ending melt. (laughs) She's still pissed off, which is so funny. (laughs) It's really, it's very fascinating. It's a it's a really interesting way that like they like she chooses to portray her, which I think is also true. It's like she's like, hang on, I'm reeling over the fact still that I came all this way and that maybe like there was another woman. (laughs) Yeah. Which also well, says and- worlds, worlds about men who have affairs, right? That, like, if you're the other woman, you're like, oh, there can't be another woman. It's just me. I'm the exception. And you're like, nah, man, he just does this.
0: <laughs> yeah. For, like, it's not like you guys hooked up one time. Like, he obviously carried on many affairs. Um right. Music boxes are a real token, I guess, of that. It's like a weird. <laughs> it's a weird. Yeah, exactly uh, right to collect. Um, but I think actually that scene where she's like, "Who the hell gave him this music box?" Like that talks to what you're talking about before about like the slow, like the delivery of Ruby D. Like, absolutely. It's a. It's very distinct the way she delivers lines, and I think like, yeah, maybe it is her trying to appear older than she actually is, right. or like trying to play this character. Um, but it's like there's really no way not to notice it I think
1: yeah Tennessee (laughs) Waltz um but yeah so anyway I mean that I think it's it's just the the ending is very like it's so strange and it was hard it's kind of interesting and hard for me to like grapple with this whole thing as a kid but now even looking at it it's just so interesting to just see all of like just the the double standards I guess (laughs) in this relationship so Anyway, I'm just I feel feel good about the fact that Viola Watkins decided for herself and she, you know, was gutsy and like went to uh the uh the wedding and you know, like she she did all this. I just I just want I wanted a better relationship. I wish she had another man she loved is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. She deserved much better. I mean, I loved um, your father. Yeah. Oh, that also Barrett from I feel like at, maybe like every time I've been on a call with him, he's he's somehow worked that in. Um it's, an, <laughs> it's a very iconic delivery.
1: That's um, so great.
0: <laughs> That's impossible. Yes, yeah, it's 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 great. Um oh, you wanna talk about Mrs. Cantini? <laughs> yes,
1: yes. No, Cantini, Cantini. Cantini. Um, Mrs. Cantini. Uh I do. <laughs> I do really like uh, the scenario, like, you know, where she's Sophia is just constantly asking Dorothy these ridiculous questions. Like, this isn't going to stop till one of us dies. (laughs) Why is it? Another
0: hypothetical. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) But obviously, I mean, we would live with extra toes, I would think. I think body odor, you know, and uh, schizophrenia are pretty difficult to live with, but extra toes would be kind of funny. Probably be like a good runner or something. It'd be hard to find shoes, but I don't know. Very that's uh you know if we're being superficial that's what I would pick but um no (laughs) offense to no offense to people who have troublesome body odor or schizophrenia but yeah um it's just like off the bat it seems like a good deal but I think the um (laughs) I think the whole situation where it like it opens up a lot of questions right like I love the the um closing of this b story where Darth, i'm sorry rose actually is like i think the idea of a matchmaker is kind of sweet and it like you know it is when you reframe something right you have pride and it it's kind of the same thing i think uh like online dating now is a little ubiquitous but like I, you know even just as much as like five or so years ago there was definitely this like oh i don't need that i i can meet people in real life and other things like that and it was sort of like you were settling like it was viewed in some circles i think as like sort of like a matchmaker right that you had to use like technology to meet somebody and i remember lots of conversations you know and with myself included about like you know whether that felt um like it was a blow to your pride i guess um so i can see the same thing here with Dorothy, but i think it's really interesting that like from the outset she actually has a good time with this dude and then immediately like stops when she realizes that (laughs) one she's been set up with him via a mechanism she didn't know was behind the scenes and two that he's like a former like a (laughs) felon
0: Like white collar guy. who cares
1: white <laughs> collar white collar it's so great um yeah anyway uh. <laughs> it's really interesting of like that dynamic that she sort of turns on it you know so i think i think before you we can talk about like the prison's prison record aside but like i think it's interesting of you're just like okay well you're having a good time with this guy like yes there's some sort of like sort of deceit or you weren't on the same page but i also don't think that's enough to totally throw in the towel
0: right yeah i agree um, it feels a little like of a precursor to the john nareddy thing of like yes. sophia intervening where she shouldn't um obviously like this is different but uh yeah and i think dorothy like dorothy the thing is like dorothy doesn't want to go to a matchmaker to meet somebody because she doesn't she's not like obsessed with meeting someone and not that you need to right. be to go to a matchmaker that's not what i'm saying at all but i just like no. She's not interested in taking that step. And so when Sophia does it, it is like, you know, it's obviously an overstep of boundaries. Um, But I agree. I also like she had a great time with this guy. He seems okay from their little interaction. Um, So I I think she should continue to see him, but she can't because she's going to be in (laughs) the women's prison.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You're going to meet some great gals i think they used to come to our dances that's funny i know (laughs) it's really great the um i really like the um the line at the end to your point right about like how she doesn't she's not pursuing this or like she she has a speech a whole speech where she actually says directly like i don't need a man to make her happy right and it's so in direct contrast to like the line from the flu where she's like at least i have a man right and it's like to me it shows a lot of her character growth where she actually can like firmly say out loud, like, sure. I want one, right. Where she's like, if the right one comes along great, like, I'm not saying I'm not pursuing this, but I'm not saying that I'm going to be depressed until I do right. Like have, have a guy. So um, I really appreciated that. I appreciate that. She actually comes out and says it directly.
0: Yeah. And that's almost like messaging
1: summary. Yeah. (laughs) It's like,
0: no, totally. I realized
1: that about you. On uh, Mrs. Continie's <laughs> questionnaire there's a there's a box about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sophia obviously like, "Well, let it go." And the, I love when she snaps the polaroid over. Like, it's a funny thing oh, that Sophia trying to get these ant- like this Yeah, secretly. For her.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Hi pussycat, say goodbye, old woman. <laughs> Like, do you have a good time do i sound like i had a good time how the hell should i know you're always like this yes. i love that look good yeah it's
0: really good oh my god what she's, a great so response. Mad. she's so
1: bad. she's so bad. it's great <laughs> um but they also so um the whole like rose uh conversation you know where she's trying to actually show um Dorothy that matchmaking's kind of sweet um That's the whole thing. It's like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to hear about how you successfully crossed a bull with a duck and their daughter was a bull duck who ran a tattoo parlor in in Carmel. Uh, When we talked to scholar Elliot Powell, he actually brought up this line where he was talking about like the queering of the Golden Girls and how there's all this like weird subversion. He's like, he talked about how this line is obviously supposed to mean bull dyke in like who ran a tattoo parlor, right? And it's like, but it's just so it just slips in there, like <laughs> just like as I a know. really quick line, right? And it's like then it's not. It's got a. It gets a little chuckle for people who know what she's referring to, and then they move on, and that's it. Yeah, and but it was just like wow, about that.
0: right? Yeah, I know. yeah. I think Kate Brown also pointed that out too, because I I was like looking for it this time, and I was like wow, like what yeah. a, what a because you're right, like the audience doesn't super. It's not a huge reaction, and like I bet that in in queer circles that was huge like I bet you were like oh my god did you hear that joke you know like which oh. is really nice like it's just another reflection of the writer's room having queer mm-hmm. people in it and like being like this is a joke that like we're gonna make that it's not you know it's not it's about a duck technically so it's not like super subversive but you could easily miss it or you could easily like not get it um but it's Absolutely. a nice like here you go like for
1: <laughs> for us for sure for sure it's like ridiculous. Um, I love it, but yeah, it's like so. So it's interesting. Like the whole, you would be p- just going back to like the 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 overarching like Dorothy story. of Like you'd be pissed off that she's not doing it with your consent, even if like the idea of a matchmaker is sort of kind of sweet. You know, it's like it's really totally. like Dorothy's fully in the right here. I just also think she could have given the um the guy who knows the gals at the women's prison another chance.
0: I agree. I agree. Totally agree. And I love when Rose is trying to not tell a St. Olaf story, so she's like, Paris, oh France. God.
1: Paris, France. <laughs> Pierre.
0: Pierre Fruit and Stuyton. His father's quiche factory. <laughs> but you do look like the woman who used to drive it. Like, yeah, exactly. Just, oh, my God. Her comedy, like, she is running, running with this 90s goofy, like, the comedy. It's just like, she's she great. is so good and she's like i feel like they're really using rose as like a comical device in these recent few episodes and like wow she is just incredible just delivers to the max
1: totally it's incredible it's so good um (laughs) it's it's really again they just do such a good job with different spins on saint olaf stories right like it's it's incredible how they continue to milk it, but in different ways. <laughs> and obviously, Betty White is just along for the ride and just makes that final finishing touch that really makes them deliver. Oh, Totally um, agree. I have—I only have one more thing, and it's actually about uh, the A story that I forgot, and I'm shocked I forgot it because it's my favorite line of the whole episode. Wow, what is it? It made me laugh out loud so hard when I watched it this time. It's <laughs> blanche is telling the girls about what she just learned and she's like they were lovers for over 50 years and sophia's sitting on her stool in the back she goes and we can't get anybody to do our windows <laughs> so good <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> oh my god It like i really it's it feels so good to not remember a line, you know, like to not anticipate a line when you watch the show so many times. And I literally (laughs) didn't see it coming. So like, it was like I was watching it for the first time and I I literally laughed out loud very hard. It was so
0: magical. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) Oh God. Anyway, do you have anything else? No, the only other thing, well, the only other thing I have is that, is we, are we just learning that his name is Curtis? I feel like that this is the first time that we're hearing it, right? And that's if Blanche is shocked.
1: Yeah, because like they refer to him as Big Daddy Hollingsworth when he's got his uh booking, right? Yeah, um, I'm almost positive I, that that's the case, but uh, um, that's a big reveal, exactly. It is, it is. I would say come uh, correct us on Twitter, but I don't know, is Twitter going to be around? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you would probably be able to buy it for one dollar. <laughs> yeah, it's true, we could buy it, make it a Golden Girls fan club, perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, join us next time. We're going to discuss diagramming sentences, shiitake mushrooms, and how we can't reveal anything learned in confession. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, everybody.